speaking of two kinds of wisdom this morning. And, um, but it's all wrapped in the fact that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as Brian shared those two words uh, about submitting and committing, and I'm thinking about my message, and I'm like, so I went back there and I asked him, I said, did you peek at my message? And he said, no. But, uh, and I don't use those terms, but he put it in a capsule for us. So if you'll be thinking about those two words as we go through this. Uh, I'm going to start off in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And uh, I'm trusting that by now we understand that we want to be God's witnesses on earth. We want God to use us. We want his life to be revealed in us. Or you wouldn't be here. We want Christ to shine through us. And live the life that he has created for us and called us out to be, which is Christ likeness. And last week we started going through um, two books or two chapters, First Corinthians chapter two and James chapter three about the two kinds of wisdom. And there's the wisdom of the world and there's the wisdom of heaven. And we need to operate in both. We need to know how to operate in both and not become so worldly minded that we're no heavenly good. And on the other side, uh, some of us think we're, we have heavenly knowledge and wisdom and we're no earthly good. There's the balance that we have to have for both because we touch both realms, both worlds. Um, and, and so we have to be able to understand that. And God has given us the ability through the Holy Spirit to understand both of them. Just because it's spiritual and it's the Holy Spirit and he's going to give us the spiritual wisdom, he's also going to give us natural wisdom too, natural understanding as well. And so before we get to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I just want to read out of James chapter 3 again. And it says this in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above, and so now we got a description of the worldly wisdom, and now the wisdom from above is first first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make it. And I'm reading this because I want to I want us to think about this through the message. So we can understand what kind of wisdom we're operating in. Um, Because sometimes I think it's important that we take this inventory of our lives. And so this is a sure way of understanding of, of us figuring out what kind of wisdom we operate in is look at this. What do we leave behind? What do we leave behind? Worldly wisdom divides, it separates, 
it conquers, and it has casualties. Okay? Listen to verse 16 again. It says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. That is not good. That is not good. Okay? And so, on the other hand, godly wisdom, biblical wisdom, gathers, collects, builds up, and is peaceable. So, we can take a look at our life, we can take a look at our friends' lives, and ask, are there casualties left behind by them, or is there unity and peace? And that will determine what kind of wisdom they operate in. And as believers, our primary wisdom needs to be God's wisdom, biblical wisdom. And when we have God's wisdom as our primary wisdom, here's what happens. Our natural understanding increases as well, but we're not, uh, we're not sucked into the ways of the world. Okay? We can understand the world, but we don't have to be part of it. Okay? But we, when we give ourselves to God first, then we also have natural understanding that we receive from the Holy Spirit. All right, if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I want, last week we read the whole chapter. We're not going to do that today. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, it says this. Paul says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. And first of all, we ought to take notice of that, that the wisdom of this world, it's going to pass away. It's not going to last forever. Okay, he doesn't put that in there for nothing. He puts it in there to let us know. Verse 7, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Okay, and as he shares that, I just want us to understand so now he's shifting to the spiritual wisdom. And this comes from the word of God and from listening to the Holy Spirit. Okay. And we need this. We need to have this. There's a certain amount of wisdom that we get when we give our life to the Lord. But it's as we mature and as we grow in our faith and grow in our wisdom, grow in our understanding of God, that's when the Holy Spirit is able to increase more. If you think of it as uh, when a uh, baby is born, there's such great potential in that baby, but there's a process that that baby has to go through in order to be able to be responsible. And the same thing is true for us. This wisdom, he says, is secret and hidden. But it's only secret and hidden until we're able to reach out and get it. And until we do, on our own, reach out and get it. Because there's some people that uh, they're born again, but there, there's no desire for them to grow. Okay, And, and if you don't have that desire to grow, you're not going to find the secret and hidden wisdom of God. So back to verse 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. 
And then jump down to verse 12. And it says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And then verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And we see that in the world today. The world is trying to turn us away from the Word of God, our understanding of the Word of God, and and trying to implement and impart to us its wisdom and its knowledge and It looks at us as if we've lost our mind, like we're crazy. And I want you to know we are. (laughs) We don't fit into this world. And it's okay. And those who aren't born again, who don't have the Spirit of God, they don't understand what we see either. They don't understand how we speak. And we'll get into this more later, not today, but later. Because And and so I want to encourage you that you don't have to try and Uh, convince those who aren't born again of your ways of walking with God. Just continue walking with God and let God deal with them. Because if they're looking at your life, it's because they're hungry anyways. They want something different. They want something lasting. So, I have this statement that I just have to read. And it's just better if I read it than try to say it without reading. So hopefully you'll be all right with this. It's, It's not too long though. For us to have biblical godly wisdom that comes from above, we need to study the word of God. We need the Holy Spirit to enlighten us according to the word of God. And we need to stay humble in receiving it. And we need to have godly, mature believers, people around us that we can bounce off certain things. So that we can see what we are thinking and understanding is from the word of God and from the Holy Spirit. To make sure that we don't get prideful and get off course changing the word of God rather than the word of God changing us. Period. We need all of that. We need the whole. It is imperative that we begin to study the word of God, that we begin to meditate on the word of God. That Well, start off by reading it first. And then study it, meditate on it, think on it, rehearse it, write it down, do whatever it takes. But we need, that's the first thing that we need to do is have the word in us and then allow the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal things to us. But then we also have to have people in our lives that we can bounce things off because we can get so full of knowledge and wisdom that we're not any good. And so we have to surround ourselves with People that will make sure that we're staying on course. And 
there's so many believers who are changing the Word of God to fit into their lifestyle rather than them changing their lifestyle to fit into the Word of God. And, it, and that's why it's so important for us to have people around us. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, if you want to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul is so brilliant in the way he writes this. It's short and sweet, but he gets right to the point. 1 Corinthians 8, chapter 1. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Okay? So we all have knowledge. We all have, we're born into this world. We all have a, a knowledge. Okay? And then he says this. This knowledge, and he has it in quotations, puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. And so really what he's saying is, there is more to knowledge than just knowing something. Okay. There is more to knowledge than just knowing something or having knowledge. True knowledge comes from having a relationship with God. Okay? And it's in the knowing God first that we begin to understand and have wisdom and then we find out in that relationship and when God is downloading wisdom and understanding to us, we understand this. We're not God. All right? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, please. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, but mankind only knew one kind of wisdom before the fall. After the fall, they had a choice to make. After the fall, the scripture says that we now know two kinds of knowledge, good and the evil. Okay? In Genesis chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 9. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God created two trees. Jump down to verse 15. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying. You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in that in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. 
And so in verse 16, he says, and the Lord God commanded the man. So this isn't an option. This isn't based on your feelings. This is, this is, it needs to be settled in their hearts that this is based on the command of God, on the word of God for Adam. Okay. And he tells him, you, you have everything else. You just can't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So all they knew was nothing but good until the fall, which is due to their disobedience, which, to which God had told them not to eat of that. And what is so scary nowadays is that we're living in those same days. We are faced with a choice every day. Which wisdom are we going to walk in? And for the moment, it looks like more are choosing the way of the world rather than the way of God or the wisdom of heaven. And sadly, the enemy used this to trick them way back then. And to be honest with you, he hasn't changed his tactics. He hasn't needed to. Because we keep falling for the same thing. And so that brings us to Genesis chapter 3. If you'll look there. You were just in 2. We'll go to 3. To three. Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman. So this is the serpent. He said to the woman. Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So she's got this right. Verse 4, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now he's propositioning them to know good and evil. All they know is good right now. All they know is God. Verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, okay, looking at knowledge, she took of it of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. At this moment, that is the time that division and destruction and chaos entered into mankind's life. And it hasn't ceased yet. And I want us to understand this. It's not God's fault that that happened. God gave man a choice and man chose to disobey God and his word and to think that we could become wise and even as wise as God or wiser than God. Because that's the way the enemy keeps coming after us all the time. Well, God just doesn't understand. God doesn't know what you're going through. I mean, he has all kinds of things blaming it on God, but it's not it has nothing to do with God. It has to do with our choice. Are we going to stick to the command of God or not? Are we going to stick to his word or not? Before the fall, they only knew one kind of wisdom. 
God's wisdom, heaven's wisdom. Now, after the fall, they're struggling with knowing God's wisdom and knowing the wisdom of this world. And that's our struggle today. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to receive the wisdom that comes from above. God's wisdom, the wisdom from heaven that is peaceable wisdom. You know, both Diane and I, we love peace. We cherish peace. And I believe that's why we cherish God's word so much. Because we want to incorporate the peace that comes from his word into our lives as much as possible. Our choices have consequences. And when we choose the world's wisdom, it is devastating to us and it's devastating to those around us. It doesn't just affect you. It affects those around you. We started in Genesis 2. We went to 3. Now go to chapter 4, if you will. We're on a roll here. In Genesis chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1. Okay, this is after the fall. The fall occurred in Genesis chapter 3, okay? And then God talks to them. And then we're here in chapter 4, okay? Genesis 4, 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Okay, because he was a worker of the ground. All right, that's what he was supposed to bring to the Lord. Verse 4, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions because he's a keeper of the sheep. This is what he's supposed to do. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Okay. And let me just tell you what happened here. They both knew that they were supposed to bring offerings to the Lord. And so Abel brought one that was according to the word of the Lord. We don't have the instruction as to what it was. But God receives Abel's, but he doesn't receive or accept Cain's. Because what Cain brought, even though it was from the land, it wasn't what God had asked. Okay? So Cain is not obeying the Lord in bringing the right offering to the Lord. Okay? And again, we don't know what the right offering is. But we know that Cain knew. We know that Abel knew. Okay, so God accepts Abel's, but he doesn't accept Cain's. And then read the rest of this verse. And it says, so Cain was very angry and his face fell. A few weeks ago, we brought this up. And, and I don't want to... We have to bring it up again, but I... I, I just want us to see this. It says that, so Cain became angry. It is amazing to me how many times we become angry 
And yet we're the ones who are disobedient. We're the ones who are doing wrong. And then we're angry. And, and I'm going to tell you where, who Cain was angry at. First, he was angry at God. Because he had brought this before the Lord and the Lord didn't accept it. And so he was angry at God. And I'm telling you, there's things that happen in our lives that aren't good. And if we don't handle this right, we can become angry with God. And we can blame God for something that we've done. And, and if something was done to you that you had no control over, you couldn't stop it or anything like that, that's not what we're talking about. But still, when we have those situations, we have to know how to deal with them properly, biblically. When we fall into sin, it's because we are angry with God first. We think we know better. We have been convinced that we know better and that God is being unjust to us. He's not being fair to us. And so we're going to take matters into our own hand. And what we end up doing is we end up sinning against him. And then what we do is we take our anger and our frustration. We have to let it out. We have to. Let it go. And so it goes out. And usually who it goes to first is the family around us. Those who are immediately closest to us. We take it out on them. If you're alive and you have a family, you've done that. You've become angry and then the rest of your family has paid for your anger. We've all done it. But our true anger is, at, is first to God. But then we take it out on those who are closest to us. If we continue in this in verse 6, God warns Cain about this. And he gives him an option to change and to repent. In Genesis 4-6, it says this. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? <laughs> and why has your face fallen? And then he says this in verse 7, because and this is so important. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And so what he's saying is, in other words, if you obey me, won't you be accepted? And then he says this, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Or if you don't obey me, sin is crouching. And I'm telling you right here, he's given Cain an opportunity to repent, to change his way and to bring the right offering to the Lord. And he says, if you'll do that, I'll accept it. It'll go well with you. But if you don't, then sin is crouching at the door. And then he says this about sin. It desires is its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And so we have to be careful when we're angry and realize. And, and stop and, and examine your life and realize that you're angry at God first. Cain was making a decision. He was choosing to either follow the Lord's true offering or just offer God what Cain wanted to offer to God. And then demand that God accept it. 
Can I break this down for you? What this really means? What Cain was really doing at this time? Cain was just living a selfish life when he brought his offering to the Lord, demanding the Lord to accept it. It was all about Cain. It wasn't about God. It was about Cain saying, no, I'm not going to do it your way, God. I'm going to present this to you, and then I want you to accept it. And I don't know if you figured this out or not, but it doesn't work like that with God. He has his way of doing it, and either we fit into his way or we suffer the consequences. And so he had given Cain an opportunity to change his way. And we have to understand that Cain offered this out of selfishness. And so we have to ask ourselves, how much are we like Cain today in our walk with God? Do we give him just enough? Do we give him what we want to give him and then the heck with the rest and he's got to like it whether he likes it or not? It's as if we're the ones who are driving the car and and we're deciding where we're going and how we're going to get there. And the last time I checked, you aren't the God of your life. I mean, you can be, but it's not going to go well for you. How many times have we offered to God what we want to offer and then we get mad at Him when He doesn't accept it? And here's the thing that we have to understand. That God was weighing the motives of their hearts too. And by the offering that Cain brought him, he's like, you know, hey, we have a heart issue here. And he's given Cain an option to change it, but he doesn't. How many times have we come up with what we think God really wants from us, which is way easier? I'm telling you what, what Cain offered to God was way easier than what God asked of him. And how many times have we done that in our lives as well? And then we get upset when God doesn't agree with us. He says that sin is crouching at all of our doors every moment of every day. And we have to choose which way we're going to walk. Which wisdom are we going to walk in? The world's way seems much easier. Especially at first, and and the scripture even says that. You know, the pleasures of sin last for a while. There are pleasures in sin, but they don't last. And they're easier, but they're not from God. Cain had to make a decision, which wisdom is he going to operate in? And he chose his own. And I want to tell you, God offers Cain an option. He gives him a way out. He gives him a do-over. And God will do that with us as well. He'll give us that do-over. He'll give us the option to repent and to change our ways and to change our thinking and not let the anger rule over us. Turn with me to James chapter 3, if you will. And I want us to think about this, that we rule over sin by continuing to choose to walk in the wisdom of God. 
and not in our own way. I want to remind you, even though we've read it earlier, but I just want to remind it, remind you again of the description that James gives of the two wisdoms. And I want to start in verse 17 where this is the wisdom that comes from above. Okay, so James chapter 3 verse 17 says this. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace to those who make it. So this is one of our choices. But compare this to the wisdom of the world. Okay, the wisdom of this earth. Verse 14. James 3.14 But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. We're, we're closing in. Okay. Do we know what produces, according to James, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in our hearts? What produces that in us? The result of it is anger. But what produces that in us is pride. Our selfishness. And then when God doesn't accept it, then we become angry and we become angry towards God and we begin to walk away from him. And we begin to come up with our own ways of doing things. And then we foster our anger by deciding on our own way. We decide from now on what is right and what is wrong. What is sin and what isn't sin. And we do this even as believers. Cain was angry at God for not accepting his offering. Well, let me say his selfish offering. The offering that wasn't what God required. And he took it out on his brother. This anger, this wisdom, James says, is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. And that's a progression that we walk in when we walk away from God, when we begin to walk in the wisdom of this world, it starts off and it's not much. It's just earthly to us. And then it becomes unspiritual to us. And, and that's when we start deciding what is sin and what isn't sin. Like. What Christian in their right mind can decide what is sin and what isn't sin? When all you have to do is look at God's word and he'll tell you what is and what isn't. You don't even have to figure it out on your own. He says what it is. 
But see, when we start walking in the ways of the world, then it's earthly, but then it becomes unspiritual. And if we don't repent, and God gives us times to repent, He gives us that opportunity to repent, to change our ways. He gives us those times all the time, just like He did with Cain. And then it becomes demonic, which is not good at all. And this is the progression that we walk in when we stay angry at God and continue to walk in our sin rather than repenting and turning from our sin and stay committed. And and then we stay committed to our sin because we're angry with God. And when we continue in our sin and in our anger, we find disorder in every evil or every vile practice. And if you don't think that James nailed it and that James knew what he was talking about, let's just continue reading in Genesis chapter 4. Because Cain doesn't offer to the Lord what is right, and then God gives him an opportunity to change his ways. But then this is what happens. Genesis 4, 8. Let's start there. I mean, we see how this, that progression of James has worked in Cain's life. Genesis 4, 8, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. You see, this is the wisdom that Cain was operating in. He, it, it takes him to the point now to where he doesn't even think about killing his brother as being sinful. And I would say this is quite demonic as well. Verse 9, then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Is that not what we hear from the world today? I'm going to do my own thing. Who cares about you? Who cares about what you think? I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to determine what is right and what is wrong. Verse 10, and the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And so I would say that this, according to this, James is pretty accurate in his description of the two kinds of wisdom. And I just want us to know that if we're angry with God, I plead with you to stop being angry with God. Stop and ask for forgiveness and repent of your anger towards God. Our anger towards God starts with us thinking that God isn't fair. We all know that life isn't fair. We all have had things happen to us that aren't fair. They shouldn't have happened to us. If I say it's not fair. We've all had those. We've all experienced those. But if we just stay trying to make life fair, we're going to miss out on God. And the fact that God is just. And that even though life isn't fair in your life, if you will turn to God and give it to God, He will be just in your life. And eventually, you will receive the justice for staying true to Him and walking in His ways. But we have to be willing to walk in His ways in His wisdom. 
which comes from above. So I want to encourage you this morning. I plead with you this morning. Let go of your anger towards God. Let go of it. You know, it was, I don't know how many weeks ago it was, and, and we talked about traumas of our heart, and we opened up the altar, and you guys came up, and we heard the stories of your lives and the things that were done to your lives, and it's horrible to think of what, what, what happened to you guys. But if you stay there and if you don't let it go, you can, you're, you're going to live a life. And it's very subtle, but you're going to live a life angry at God. And you're never going to be free to love Him and allow His justice to take place. And I can just tell you this now. Forgiveness isn't about the other person. It's not for them. It's for you. It's for your freedom. So let go of your anger and find the peace that God has to us through Jesus Christ and walking in the wisdom of heaven. Again, how many relationships, how many people are we going to hurt because of our hurt and anger towards God? How much brokenness are we going to leave behind because we're angry with God? How much devastation and destruction are we going to leave behind in our families, in our jobs, in our churches because we're angry? It's amazing to me. You'll stand with me, please. I want to encourage you to listen to this message as, as many times as you can. It's not worth it being angry at God. It's not worth it. And the thing is, is we can put a stop to it right away. We don't have to, it doesn't even have to be gradual. We can just stop. And we, we start by repenting. But then we have to take the next step, and that is, is trusting God. And trusting in His justice towards us. Because God is a just God. I mean, He is. Righteousness and justice are His scepter for His kingdom, for His throne. And so the question is, is will we trust God completely today? Will we trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to trust Him? Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this opportunity to be before You and to look into Your Word and find real truth, real wisdom. But Father, more than finding it, I pray that we would put it into practice. 
Lord, we're like Cain every day. Every moment of every day, we have a choice to make. Are we going to follow your ways or are we going to do our own thing? Are we going to trust you or are we going to be selfish and let jealousy and bitterness rise up within us? Father, I pray that if there's anger in us that we have towards you, that you would reveal that to us quickly so that we can repent of it and we can turn from it and we can give ourselves to you. Father, there's so many things that have happened in our lives that we think aren't fair and, and the enemy has used that against us to get us angry towards you. But Father, I pray that we would stop and that we would recognize that and we would repent and we would trust you. We would trust you and your justice for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I know I, I probably should have said this in the message, but I just want you to know, anger is just a result of our selfishness. I mean, I said it in a roundabout way, but I just want to make sure we understand that. Our anger is really based out of selfishness. All right, go have a great week. I know it was heavy today, but you guys can handle this. <laughs>